Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Denny Long returns tomorrow morning here on News Talk, K3OWCCO. I'm Steve Thompson, pleased to be joined by Therese Saruni, and it's been a while. We, we've done the show together before. I hope you're well, Teresa. We have. I'm well, and I hope you're well, Steve. Yes, very well indeed. And I noticed that uh, the peonies are starting to peak up uh, through the ground. I have some peonies I inherited when I bought this house, and uh, they're starting to pop up. Yep, things are starting to pop up, and that's something we need to talk about today because people need to stay off of their lawns and gardens if the soil is a little bit wet. Because if they go onto the soil, you know, to start cleaning up their garden or walk on their lawn, they're going to compress the soil, and that really um, impacts how the plants can grow. So I know we all want to be out there, and we're supposed to be out in nature to be healthy, um, but unless your lawn and garden is really nice and dry, the soil's nice and dry, then stay out of your lawns and gardens. But it's a great time to clean up and get things going and get excited to see all the new stuff coming up. Now, it should be be worried a little bit because we are going to get snow overnight we, we do get cold you know, weather for a, those peonies that's a really good question you don't have to worry um the snow will probably melt and plants are say smart enough not to come up until they're ready if we do get a really heavy snow which is fine because then it'll just insulate everything or a really cold cold temperature if any of those plants get frosted on the top, there's nothing to worry about. The leaves might look a little icky during the season, but the plant will be really healthy. Everything's fine. Nature knows what she's doing out there. All right, so no worries on that front. No reason Don't to worry cover the daylilies, the peonies, etc. Leave the peonies alone, yeah. Now, if you want, if you have tender roses and tender perennials that you've uncovered, that they're out of their zone, their zone fives or sixes, you might want to toss your bags of leaves back over those or your leaves back over those just for a little bit longer till the nights are, are usually above 40. But other than that, things will be just fine. We always get a lot of calls and texts on the program. And the phone number six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. You can call or text. We've already had some texts come in. And by the way, we'll talk to Dennis Matuzak in the studio today. Uh when you call in six five one nine eight nine 9226 is that phone number and our text line 
as well. And I don't know, Therese, if you want to jump right into it, but uh, speaking of I this, do. is it too early to start uncovering my asparagus plants? No, they should be okay. I think you can start uncovering stuff. Maybe wait till next weekend since we're going to have icky rain and snow this weekend. You know, just take your walks instead in your rain suits and everything else, but leave the gardening till next weekend or once it starts warming up just a titch. And what about garlic? The garlic, you know, you can't you can't uncover it if you want to be out in your garden when it's raining and wet. Um, it's you really don't need to be out there when it's raining and wet though, because you don't want to. That that's a good thing to remember all year long. If it's raining, don't be in the garden, and if the plants are wet, don't be in the garden, because you can move fungal diseases around. It's probably not the time of year for that to happen, but if it was the middle of summer and we had just gotten a rainstorm, you wouldn't want to be out in your garden because you don't want to be touching those wet plants and moving fungal diseases around. Is it a good time to prune maple trees, that uh, coming from Rick in St. Paul? Yep, it's a good time to, you can start pruning your shrubs, uh, your roses, your spirea, if the bunnies haven't done that already for you. If you need to prune your maple trees, it's not a good time to be pruning any of those trees that are susceptible to diseases or insect damage, like oaks, elms, ashes, any of your fruit trees. They're all susceptible to either fungal diseases or insect diseases, so you don't want to be pruning any of those at this time. And again, if you have questions about when to prune stuff, go to extension.umn.edu and go to the garden tab, and you'll find all the great information on there, exactly when to prune things. When Julie was in a week ago, we brought up getting seeds started, and we have been perusing here at home, uh, extension.umn.edu, about starting seeds. There's a lot of great guidance there on that. Yep, Mary Myers, I think Professor Mary Myers did a great um, a great article on that because we were asking, or people were asking, what's the seed starting time frame? And now is a great time to be starting your seeds. You know, um, you can probably go to the garden centers to pick things, to, um, to, to shop, but a lot of the garden centers um, may be able to select the seeds and then you pay for them in advance and they just give you your order when you come there. So don't just go because we're all supposed to be sheltering place. So don't just go out and buy stuff, but go um, call them, go online, see what the protocol is for every store. And then if you have to go out and get your seeds or order them online, there's a lot of great catalogs online too, and get your seeds going or your plants, whatever you're going to do. Yeah, and that is an outstanding project while we're in stay-at-home mode. Quick break. We've got much, much more with Therese Haruni coming up on our Smart Garden Show here on News Talk, 830-WCCO. Our phone number is 651-989-9226. You can call or text 651-989-9226. 9226 here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. 817, 45 degrees in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul. We'll have another update on the weather here at about 8.30. But uh, this show is all about your calls and texts. Uh, Therese Haruni joining us. Hennepin County Master Gardener, good enough to join us on the program today. 651 989 9226 651 989 9226. And you can call or text the program, and we have a lot of texts lined up. And a call, Dorothy in Minneapolis, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Good morning. 
Hello. I'm wondering, is it too late to prune uh, apple trees? I didn't get my tree done yet this year. It it really is. If you if there's something you have to prune, you can like one or two big cuts that you have to make. Go ahead and um, get some pruning sealer. Um, make the cut. Uh, sterilize your pruner. Make the cut. Cover the, pr- the cut immediately, and then sterilize your your pruner, and then make your second cut. Um, so each cut you make, you know, the final cut that you make, you have to um, prune se- pruner sealer and then do sterilize your pruner between cuts. Okay. What about when should it have been done, like more, like towards the middle of the month? Right. You want to think about you don't want, um, you, if there's insects flying around, you don't want to do it. Um, there's a fungal disease called fire blight that can really impact fruit trees. And so when the insects are warm, if they're warm enough to fly around, the fungal, the fungal spores could be warm enough too. So you just don't want to, don't want to do it then. So February, March would be a great time to prune your apple trees, your fruit trees. Thank you. Thanks for your call. Very good. Um, Teresa, when you talk about uh, sanitizing uh, a pruner or pruning equipment, is soap and water good enough? Tell us more. That's a really good question. What you'd want to use is probably um, a 10% bleach solution, so one part bleach to nine parts water. And then when you're all done with your with your pruning and you're, you're done with all your sterilizing, I'd probably go back in with a nice pruning oil, uh, 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 oil for machines, um, and just lubricate everything up again because bleach is really hard on tools. Or give them a really good rinse and dry them really well to get all that bleach finally off of everything once you're finished with your project, just so that your tool can be as, health, as healthy as it can be, too. Yeah, and I would assume that's good practice year-round when you're pruning anything that you, you, you want to make sure it's clean before you go to your next project. You do, and if you do, say you're pruning your tomatoes because they have um, they have a disease, okay, and you're pruning them, you want to think then after you're done pruning that one plant that then you do go back in and sterilize that pruner because you're going to use it on, you know, uh, beans or, or something else the next time, and Lots of those diseases don't transmit, but why take the chance? Teresa Rooney joining us on our Smart Garden Show, and it comes your way Saturday morning between 8 and 9 a.m. The phone number is 651-989-9226, Let's go to the text line. We have a ton of those lined up already on the program. Oh, it's wonderful. It's just extraordinary, and we... Yeah, it's great to see. I planted some rhubarb last spring, and I planted it a little too deep. It's it's down in the hole right now. At some point, can I dig that up and, and raise the plant, if you will, so it's a little bit uh, closer sure. to the surface where it needs it, to be? I do it immediately. It's just like you're transplanting your rhubarb. Rhubarb is transplantable in the spring. So as soon as you can dig into the soil, I'd go ahead and lift the plant. Um, if you can add some compost in, that's even more wonderful. And then just make sure not to fertilize that plant um, until it's growing really well, say in June or July. You just want, because it's just like you're transplanting it again. So so you're breaking the roots and it has to start all those new feeder roots all over again. So, so you you want to bring it up because you don't want it sitting in a hole because then it could get rotted. So, yep, that's a really good idea. Rhubarb, you don't want to plant low. Good idea. Um, what about uh, things like hostas? Is that something that can be uh, dug up and moved or, or split in the yep, spring? Yep, hostas, 
hostas, moving your hostas first thing in the spring is really the easiest and best time. And I say it's easiest and best is because you're not working with big leaves and you can divide them and move them. Make sure to plant those guys a little bit high too because they can get crown rot easily also. And then you, when you, once they start growing, you know, you can divide them anytime. You could divide them in August if you want, but then you damage a lot of the leaves and they look really bad for the rest of the season. But if you do it before all the leaves are up, they look great in the season. You probably, you won't even look like you moved them. Right. When when you divide, do you do you split in a half, thirds? What what do you recommend? For hostas, um, just divide yes. them into a nice little clump. It's you know however big of a hosta plant you want. You could literally do each little tiny growing point if you wanted, but that would give you really tiny plants for a long time. So just. You know, however big you want to divide them, however many plants you need out of that. Remember, they're going to grow. So if you can be patient, you can have big plants this year as you divided them. Wait two or three years, divide them again, and you can have big plants again rather than a whole bunch of little plants for a number of years. So you can divide them however you want to. 651-989-9226 is our phone number and our text line as well. Keep that number handy for all our programs here on News Talk 830-WCCO and Skin, 651-989-9226. To the phone lines again, let's go to Grace and St. James. Grace, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. I have... Um, a flowering crab tree that's probably uh, 10 to 15 years old. And <clears throat> the first couple of years, it bloomed well, and since then it has never bloomed. Do you know what's going on with that? Okay, I would look, first of all, to see how much light it's getting. It's, um, it's way out in the middle of the, way out of in the, the yard. Yeah, um, That's really strange because it should be blooming. Lots of times, depending on where you live, um, the blooms come out, and if they get frosted out, if we get a late frost, if it's in like a little hollow, sometimes the blooms can get frosted off. But if it has bloomed, it should still be healthy enough to bloom if it's getting full sun and if it hasn't died back and the rootstock has taken over. So if you know you still have the real the real crab apple that you planted, you should be able to, um, to be seeing um, blossoms. So what you can do is you could give it a light fertilizer this year um, and just, that's about all I could suggest. And also, if you want to, contact an arborist and have them look at the tree in, in situation. They might be able to see something that I'm not thinking of. But if it's in full sun, it's still the same plant. It should be blooming if the, ball, if the frost is not um, killing the blooms, if it's frost hardy and you don't get a late frost. Right, very good. It is our Smart Garden Show, 651-989-9226. is our phone number and our text number as well. And once again, we have a lot of great texts. Um, from our text line, Teresa, I have a climbing rose next to the house. It's about 12 feet tall. I have to move it. Uh, when and how do I go about doing that? <laughs> Whoa, you have, a, you have a challenge on your hands there. 
First of all, what I would do is probably cut back the the canes a little bit. It'll be a little bit easier for you to move. You won't have so much. Um, Carefully tie up the canes that you have um, just so that they don't go flopping all over. Um, Then go ahead and dig up the root ball, as big of a root ball as you can. You can do this right now or as soon as you can get into the soil, work the soil. And then move it to where it's supposed to be. Add a lot of compost into the soil. Um, again, then just plant it at the same depth, or if you have a heavy clay soil, a little bit higher. Uh, put the canes against whatever structure they're going to be climbing on. Um, you may want to tie them a little bit, just gently, so that as they start to grow. And then just give it a good drink of water and treat it like a brand new plant for the first one or two years because it is just resetting. But if you can get a nice big root ball, go ahead and move it now. And, and just understand it's going to take a year or two for it to come back to that 12-foot high, but you have a challenge and wear leather gloves, I would say. Good luck. Yeah, yeah good leather gloves, the, the heavy duty for sure. Leather that, gloves, that like... armor, you know, plate armor on your body, everything. <laughs> Those things have a lot of thorns on them. Good luck there. Yeah, that that, that is a big project. Uh, here's yeah. a good one. Speaking of uh, some thorns, what is the best way to remove raspberry shoots? To remove raspberry shoots, if they're in your grass, you can just mow them down. Otherwise, if you just, um, you can dig, you can cut them at the soil level, but they're just going to sprout out again. So what you have to do is separate those shoots from the mother plant. So just take your, your spade and just do a sharp cut right next to that, that little shoot. Um, I'm thinking that's what they mean is the shoots on the ground. And just go ahead and cut that shoot out and then toss it in the, in the, um, comp- in the waste or the compost bin. Yeah, and raspberries are really hardy. I have some wild raspberries along the riverbank, and uh, keeping those back and manageable is a big job. When they're happy, they grow like when they're crazy. Happy, they do. They're, they're, uh, they create thickets, and it's really great for birds and little critters to nest and hide in there. Um, it makes it hard for us to keep our yards manage, managed, but they, they sucker freely. There are some raspberries now um, that are less suckering, that sucker less, so you can look on the market for those. Um, but, yeah, raspberries are a plant that are going to sucker. They want to move, and that's what they do. All right, quick break. We have more on our Smart Garden Show. Teresa Rooney, Hennepin County Master Gardener, good enough to join us on the program. And if you'd like to visit with her, by all means, call the program, 651-989-9226, or text 651-989-9226. It is our Smart Garden Show on the air or Saturday mornings between 8 and 9 a.m. Teresa Rooney, Hennepin County Master Gardener, good enough to join us. And the phone number again, 651 989 9226 if you want to visit with Therese. So let's go to the phones right now. Mary in Minneapolis, you're on the air. Hi. I have two questions. Um, um, oh, I turned this off. Um, one is I have a lot of moss in my yard. What do I do to get rid of it? Oh, I would love to have moss in my yard. Have you ever seen some of the moss gardens? They're absolutely beautiful. But you're calling because you don't want moss. Okay. So moss likes... Um, uh, soils with low fertility, damp okay. soils, shadier areas. So okay. you need to change some of those conditions or the moss will keep coming back. So you okay. want to open up for more sunshine, 
try mm-hmm. to get it a little brighter light, more air circulation so it dries out a little better. And then you need to up the fertility by adding a little bit of compost. Compost. Okay, so mm-hmm. I need to dig up the ground a little bit, and um... yeah, you you know you can just skim the moss off if you want. Um, really, if you though, unless you really hate moss, moss gardens are absolutely beautiful, and sometimes it's just easier to work with what you've got. Um, if you have still a shady area that has a higher fertility and and not a lot of um, uh, and a lot of moisture, you may still get moss again. So you need to change those conditions, otherwise the moss will just come back. Okay, uh, do I, I was out and I was, had an easies and I was picking it out, or, uh, you know, uh, pulling it out basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, does that come, I suppose that comes back if the spores are still there in the soil. If the spores will be there and if the conditions are the same, the plants will come back. Um, it, I mean, it's the same if you have creeping Charlie and you get rid of it. If you haven't changed <laughs> the conditions, creeping Charlie will come back. Okay, great. Then the other thing is I have a hibiscus here that a piece broke off and I put it in some water and it now has roots. Mm-hmm. So do hibiscus like um, just regular uh, potting soil? Yep, just regular potting soil. Keep it really moist. The, when you start little sticks or, or starts in water, you want to, as soon as you start seeing roots, you want to get those roots into the soil. If you wait really long, those are water roots, and they collapse going into the soil because they're used to water. So, so try to get them into the soil as quickly as possible and keep the soil fairly damp so that those roots then um, are nice and happy and, and grow into regular roots then. And good luck. That sounds like fun. All right, Mary. Outstanding call, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. I have some moss in the landscape on the north side of my house. I, I kind of like it. You know, I think, um, I think I, it's a neat feature. It's absolutely beautiful. And and anyone who has moss, I would just suggest that you go online and Google Moss Gardens and you will be amazed at the beauty you see. And it's just, it's a different aesthetic, but it's so beautiful and peaceful and calm. And sometimes it's easier just to work with what you've got and let it go and grow your roses or grow your, your lawn in another area of your yard. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones again. Judy in St. Paul. Judy, you're on the air. Hi, Judy. Well, hi, Teresa. Um, I have... Uh, purchased a flowering wigalia bush mm-hmm. several years ago, and I planted it, and it, it was supposed to grow to like four to six feet, and it never got higher than 15 inches. And okay. I thought, well, maybe it was because it was too shady. Mm-hmm. So I moved it to a very sunny spot, and it's been there for a couple of years, but it's still... 15 inches tall. Okay. Does it does it bloom nicely for you? No, it's never bloomed. It's never bloomed. Um okay, so do you know the name of it? Just no, I don't remember. Okay. Okay, if you if you can find out the name of it, you want to make sure first of all, it, it could be that it was mismarked. 
instead of getting four to six feet tall, that it was one like one of the one of the tinier series that stays short. You also want to make sure that it was hardy from Minnesota. Lots of times the, um, the buds might not be hardy from Minnesota. Now, Wydelia blooms on new wood, so it should be bloom. It should bloom on the new wood for you that comes up every year. Um, just make sure it has some extra compost. It does like a little more sun. Um, and, and I would see if you can find out the name of it, if you can find, you know, a tag or something. And then go on to the extension website, extension.umn.edu, and go into the garden area and see if they list that one as Hardy for Minnesota or see what the web says if it's Hardy for Minnesota. Those would be my only suggestions because that's kind of strange that it's not. Or go back to where you bought it and say, why isn't it blooming it, if you can, if you can do that. Good luck. Thanks, Judy. Have a great day. It is our Smart Garden Show. Therese Saruni joining us on the program today, Hennepin County Master Gardener, and our phone number is 651-989-9226. You can text, same number, 651-989-9226. From our text line, is it okay to plant beet seeds? Will, will they start, and will, will you get beets? Beets? Yes, beets are beets are a really fun seed. Um, that's B E E T S, and um, if you grow them in the shade, you probably won't get the beet root. You'll just get the beet greens, which are absolutely beautiful. Makes a wonderful container plant too. And the cool thing about beets is you'll have these little hard nubbins of seeds, but really there's four seeds in that seed. So when it comes up, you're going to have to do a little bit of thinning because three or four plants will come up in that one area, and you want to thin them. If you can imagine how big a beetroot's going to be, that's how far apart you want your plants if you're growing them for beetroots. Um, and if you want to, you can soak the seeds overnight, and that will help them grow, uh, germinate a little bit faster. But beets are wonderful, and they, can, they are one of those plants you can, you know, put in a, a container or they can grow in a little bit of shade. You won't get big beets, but you'll get great beetroot leaves, and they're absolutely beautiful. And they taste uh, great, and they're really tech. healthy for you. Oh, yeah, very very good for you. Um, do you have experience with winterberry shrubs in the metro area? Yes, I actually, um, yes, uh, winterberries are great. You need um, a male and a, and a bunch of females, or one male and one female. So Jim Dandy would be your male, and then the winterberry, um, then you get the females. The females will, will grow the, the, uh, the berries, and the birds will love those. They make they can be a great foundation plant. They do get like five, six feet tall or taller, um, and they do sucker, so they can get nice and big for you. But they're an absolutely beautiful plant. And if I remember right, they're related to hollies, or they're in that family. I could be wrong about that, but I think they are. That's our holly is winterberry. Um, so they don't have anything like holly leaf, but they're beautiful berries, and the birds love them. Great for bringing in wildlife. And is it one of those things that will grow in a more shaded area? You know, um, it can take a little bit. It really would prefer full sun. Lots of your plants, you know, if you grow them in the shade, they just won't be as big. They may not flower as well. They may not bury, uh, bear fruit as well for you. Um, you can always try them. Uh, but the more sun you can give these plants, the better. To the uh, phone lines we go here on our Smart Garden Show with Therese Taruni today. We're on the air Saturday, of course, between 8 and 9 a.m. Let's go to Glenn and Hutchinson. Glenn, you're on the air. Hi, Glenn. Hello. I have, uh, I burn wood, and my, I 
the ashes I take out of the wood stove, I'll pile them up, and I have just a little ash pile. And here, after about a summer or a season, I'll call it, that, that ash pile will be all green with moss. And you were talking about moss. I, I thought to myself, what feeds moss? Or where does, how does moss originate? I'll just hang up and listen. All right. The, yeah, moss is one of those, and it has like little spores. I believe that's how it grows, like little spores. Um, so it's, it's kind of a cool little interesting sort of a plant. Um, and if you do have ash, remember ash can raise the pH really high. And you can see that if the ash, if the, the moss is growing on his ashes, that's a really low uh, fertility. So you don't want to add high pHs to your to your soils. Um, most of our soils are really high pH already. So if you have ashes, don't just throw them in your garden because we don't need to add that. But yeah, it's mosses are quite interesting. But but it doesn't surprise you that the moss have taken to that ash, if you will. No, because because there could be other things that are falling on top of the ash in the in the meantime, oh, sure. um, just dust from the from the air and other things that are making it. Maybe there's a barrier there, or for you know, nature abhors a vacuum. She fills things up, and if there's a place for something to grow, something will find that place and it will grow. It's just really amazing. So it doesn't surprise me, but um, it's it's an interesting thing. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, from our text line, here's a, a good one. Uh, we we talk some pruning and uh, what trees are okay to prune and what trees you should stay away from. Can you prune lilacs at this time of year? Okay, um, you can. There's no laws against it. However, you probably don't want to. What you will be doing is pruning off all of the flowers because lilacs set their flower buds last year just like any of the spring spring now let's try it again spring blooming plants azaleas rhododendrons mock oranges lilacs as soon and magnolias as soon as they're done blooming last year within three weeks they have their flower buds set for this year so any pruning you do after that time you cut off flowers now that being said if you don't care about the flowers you can go ahead and prune your lilacs because you know it just you know, sometimes you have to do this, or you do a minimal pruning. Um, but So there's no laws against it. It probably won't impact the health of the plant. It'll just impact how many beautiful flowers you get or don't get this year. Quick break. We have more on our Smart Garden Show coming up in a moment. Therese Saruni is in, Hennepin County Master Gardener. The phone number again, 651-989-9226. You can use that to call or text the program. We're on the air through 9 o'clock. Therese Rooney joining us, Hennepin County Master Gardener. And let's go to the phone lines. Dick in Roseville, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning, Therese. I have a question. My front yard is totally free of creeping charlie. My backyard my backyard has sections of creeping charlie that's invading it. What would be wrong with leaving the whole backyard just be invaded and have a creeping charlie? Is, is, could you do that? You certainly could. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Um, what I would suggest is that around the bare, the edge of your yard, yes. maybe you have a mowing strip or something like that so you can make sure it's not creeping into your neighbor's yard. Yes. And if you want to, as it finishes blooming, maybe give it one mowing so then it's not creating a lot of seeds that can go off into your neighbor's yard either. Um, and other than that, 
it's absolutely fine. That way you're being responsible, unless your neighbors don't care. If they're into let it spread. But um, by keeping a little mowing strip between, you can make sure it's not creeping into your neighbor's yard. And then doing the, the ju- very judicious one-time mowing, getting rid of most of the seed heads, um, then, then you're just keeping it on your property and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And, and it makes a great ground cover and it's very easy care. Yeah, creeping Charlie, that, that comes up year-round. People fight that battle a long time. They I do. Have, they I do. Think, yeah, and, and, and I have some, but but I pluck it out. I, I just kind of manage it. I, I, I don't get too worked up about it because it, it's inevitable, really. You know, it, it, it's just, if it comes into your yard, it's there for a reason. Um, it's trying to tell you maybe that there's too much shade or whatever, or there's empty spaces for it to grow, and it's out competing other plants. And, you know, you can battle it. Um, you can let it be where it's going to be. It's totally up to you. It, 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 yeah, it just is what it is. Uh, Kathy in Coon Rapids, you're on our Smart Garden Show. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Hello. I'm going back to your discussion about the wild raspberry vines. Yes. Um, Is there a spray um, that I could spray on them that would kill them, or do I still have to chop them out, and could I spray them with Roundup or something? Would that help keep them away? Um, So if you spray suckers of a plant with something like Roundup, that is absorbed into the entire plant system and could kill the entire plant system. Oh, that would be if fun. You, okay. So, so if you're looking to eradicate them totally, uh, Weed Be Gone or Roundup is perfectly acceptable, acceptable to use. That will kill Roundup, um, and glyphosates kill all plants, green plants. Uh, the Weed Be Gone's would just kill your um, broadleaf plants. So if you have a bunch of raspberries coming up in your lawn and you want to kill the entire plant, um, all the way back to the mother plant, you can go ahead and use your weed be guns, which and and things like that. And again, read the instructions. Lots of them you can't use over tree roots, um, so you have to read the instructions and follow them. Um, but that is something you can do. And and I, if you want to do a spray, let it let it kill back what it is, cut down everything, and then um, do spot sprays on whatever comes back up again. Because a lot of times you'll find that there's a lot of uh, energy in the roots, and they're able to send up new sprouts again. But if you keep attacking those new sprouts, cutting them off or spraying them, eventually you can get ahead of the, of the situation. And that's for any invasive um, vine or weed that you happen to have in your yard. But again, read the instructions, understand them, and follow them to the letter. Good luck. It is our Smart Garden Show here on News Talk, A3OWCCO. From our text line, this is a good one. Is it too early to start treating my lawn like the, the first application of fertilizer for this season? Th- that's a really good question. Um, you want to make sure that your lawn, that the soil is dry, that it is not frozen. You don't want to put anything on frozen soil. If you do put it on frozen soil when you get a rain or a spring thaw, all that what you put on there will will go away, will be washed into your water systems, watershed, and you don't want that. Um, if, if it's actively growing, you can, of course, fertilize it. 
Usually you don't want to put down your pre-emergence, that's for your, your crabgrass and your annual weeds, until the soil is warmed up to about 60 degrees. And that's normally when the lilacs are blooming in your yard, so that'll give you a good indication or get a soil thermometer. Um, that's usually about the first, second, third week of May, depending upon where you are in the cities. Uh, so that's kind of your lawn care routine if you really have to. Um, you know, if you want to and, and you don't want to put down, say, a, a, a man-made chemical, you can always just top dress with a little compost. Um, that works into the soil and really helps the whole soil structure. And this is just something you can also do if you are a coffee drinker. Just take the grounds and, and toss them gently out into the soil like you're feeding chickens um, so they get spread way far away. That, that will add a little organic matter to your soil. It doesn't acidify your soil or anything like that. It's a great way to reuse your coffee grounds if you're not putting them in your compost bin. But compost is always something you can gently top dress, lightly top dress onto your soil at any time for your, for your, as long as it's not frozen. So joining us. And always, always go to the extension.umn.edu and find out the lawn care situation for your own situation. Therese Saruni joining us here on our Smart Garden Show on News Talk, A3L-WCCO. 45 degrees, cloudy, breezy, rain on the way into the Twin Cities. It's already raining west of the Twin Cities area, and that'll change to snow overnight. We'll have more on that coming up following the news. Uh, I couldn't get all the leaves cleaned up last fall. This is from the text line, and I'm in that same boat. Is it okay to gently rake them up now, or is it way too early? We talked about that earlier in the program. Um, it's 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 pretty wet. Yep, you're you're right. If it's wet, don't don't do any raking. You pull out all the little grass seedlings that are trying to come up. Wait till the soil dries out, and then you can gently rake them up if you want to. Mm-hmm. And that happens to everybody all the time, so don't feel bad. Um, from our text line, I have a ten-year-old choke cherry tree. Uh, and it has uh, gall in about 70% of the branches. I hope I got that right. I hope I pronounced it correctly. Should it be removed? You did, and it probably has, I'm guessing it probably doesn't have galls. It probably has black knot, and you can, and that's so it's like the color black, and then K-N-O-T, that's the disease that it probably has. I would definitely go online um, because you can prune it out, but if it's over 70% of the plant, that's an awful lot to prune out. And um, and so if you want to try to save the plant, you can do that. Again, it'll be pruning and sterilizing and pruning and sterilizing. You won't have to do the, any of the sealing of the um well, you probably should do the sealing of the branches if you're dealing with black knot. But I would definitely go to the extension website and find out how to deal with black knot on your cherries. On your on your choke yeah. cherry, the prunes, yeah. Yeah, and before we run out of time, and we're coming up rapidly on the end of the program, we should talk about the great website extension.umn.edu. There are so many resources and so much information there. There, there really is a lot of things on there, and and as we all know, nature heals, and that's one of our master gardener programs. Nature heals, and you can go on there and just looking at the nature will be helpful, but during this time, if you possibly can, get outside safely, uh, you know, enjoy nature, get some fresh air, um, be in your gardens, be in your lawns, 
keep a safe social distance. Um, but yeah, go to the website extension.umn.edu. There's even a tab you can click on to ask Master Gardeners questions. So you can even get your Master Gardener questions asked, answered even during this time. We're here for you. Um, here, here's a good quick one. We've only got uh, about 30 seconds. Is it okay to cut back hydrangeas at this time of year? If so, how far do I go? Depends on the hydrangea. Annabelle, you can go ahead and cut those back all the way or six or seven inches. It depends on whether your hydrangea blooms on new or old wood. You have to know that before you cut it back. Well, Teresa, the hour has gone so quickly. A lot of it great has. calls. Tons of text on the program. It's always great to visit with you. I always learn a lot. And I learn a lot from our listeners. Thank you, everybody. Stay safe and well. All right. There she is, Teresa Rooney, and it is our Smart Garden Show each and every Saturday morning between 8 and 9 a.m. And that website, extension.umn.edu. So much to learn there and so much to learn each and every uh, week, whether it's Teresa or Julie a week ago and, of course, uh, Mary Meyer as well. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.